Welcome to Uncontained, episode 27, the lost episode. I am your host, Aaron Static Render. This episode was actually recorded back before I launched my podcast, okay? Well, I was building up episodes and came across it the other day, and I was like... Need to get this on the air. I need to get this posted. So this episode was recorded back probably in January or very early February before this podcast got off the ground. It's an interview with musician Kevin Patrick um, talking about his solo project, Field Medic. They're based out of San Francisco. If you haven't checked them out, they're very folky sounding and. Uh, He's influenced by hip-hop a little bit. You may notice that in some of his beats with the drum machine. But yes, I am glad I found this episode and uh, finally getting this out to you guys, the uncontained audience. You may notice a few things different format-wise about the show, uh, more like it was at the beginning since this was recorded earlier. But I'm not going to waste any more of your time or make you wait any longer to hear this episode since, well... It has finally been found, but before the interview actually does start, I will hook you up with a track from Field Medic off their CD, The Light Is Gone. This is Neon Flowers. How's it going, Kevin? It's going good, dude. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, so you're in the band. You're in two bands, actually, correct? Uh, Field yeah. Medic and Renton Tiger. Yeah. You just put out a new CD with Field Medic. Uh, what is that uh, titled? Uh, so the new album is called Light Is Gone. It's my first full length. Field Medic's actually my Rinton Tiger is my band, but Field Medic's my solo project. So this is my first full length solo album. How does uh, your band and your solo project differ? A lot of people put out like a lot of musicians be like, "This is my solo project," and it's not very different from their original band. Uh, mm-hmm. How does uh, how do you feel your solo project and uh, Rinton Tiger differ? Uh, so. Rinten Tiger started basically because I was playing solo before, and then my brother joined me on bass, and then we recorded one album together as we were called Westwood and Willow, 
and then we got a drummer uh, to play with us for a show we had at Noise Pop in 2011. So then we had him join the band and then changed the band name um, because the sound kind of changed a little bit. So Westwood and Willow is more what Field Medic is like now, kind of where I started with songwriting and acoustic music and finger picking and folk sort of stuff. And Rent and Tiger has evolved into more of a indie rock band that has elements of punk and it's more rhythmic, I guess. Um, and Field Medic is more melodic and just more confessional or something. I don't know. Yeah, I was actually listening to the CD that you sent me today, walking around, uh-huh. listening to it, and it was like a soundtrack was playing in the background. Oh, dude, that's awesome. Thank you. Uh, I also read on there that for Field Medic, uh-huh. you record all the instruments when you record? Yeah, I do it all myself. Do you perform live? And if so, do you have other people come on stage with you? Um, I don't play too often as Field Medic, but when I do, I'm playing in like smaller rooms, kind of like listening rooms or living rooms so i usually just play acoustic but there's a couple of tracks i have that have beats on them that i made with a drum machine so my last show the almerly show i actually played with a boombox accompanying me but i haven't played with anyone else yet okay yeah i noticed that like the on the second uh song it went from uh the folky sound to i was almost expecting like uh a rap coming up with the with the beat change. It was like, is he gonna switch it up on me? Yeah, I love rap music a lot. So when we started Rent and Tiger, I actually used that sort of as like a platform to rap. Not that I actually rap in the band, but I would just write these songs that didn't really have a lot of melody, but just had tons of lyrics. And since I finally had a drummer, I sort of saw that as rapping. But then when I started, I used to actually be a rapper when I was in high school, but it was not good. I don't, (laughs) um, but then when I started using drum machines for my solo stuff, especially that, that track, the second song, Neon Flowers, the beat is super hard and that I just love, like, I just love hard beats. So it's cool to to bring the two together. It definitely caught your attention, uh, popping out from the other music. There's a couple tracks that, as you said, that have the, uh, drum beat on them. Yeah. They kind of pop out, but, uh. You can definitely tell the folk influence. Who are some of your influences? Um, so I really love Nick Drake and Bob Dylan was one of my earlier one of my earliest influences of someone that really changed my perspective on songwriting. I can definitely tell the Dylan influence. Like the first uh, track that I heard from you, I was like, this guy definitely has an influence from Bob Dylan. Yeah, you could hear that a lot, like in the Renton Tiger songs, too, was like a lot when I was still kind of like passing through that phase. And um, I love uh, this guy named Fionn Reagan. He's a contemporary Irish songwriter and the tallest man on earth who's from Sweden. I just really love and uh, Joni Mitchell is one of my number one most important influences as well. Um, just basically anybody that writes lyrics that are more like poetry and, okay, and I love Tupac as well. Right on, definitely jumps out at you with in that influence. But still, he definitely had some great lyrics. So kind of goes along with uh, the lyricist aspect. Yeah, that's what I'm all about. Like, if I could make a living being a poet, or or yeah, if I could make a living being a poet, I would. But when you put it to mu- when you put words to music, it's a little bit 
easier for people to digest. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It makes it uh, music. Every every culture, every every language can understand like a guitar riff, but not words. So it kind of makes it universal. Yeah, and it's also fun to sing. Like sometimes when I'm feeling dark, I think about how I just want to move to a cabin in the woods and start writing and never see anyone ever again. But I also enjoy performing and recording and stuff. So I just like language. Right on. Uh, you mentioned recording. Uh, do you, So did you record your own CD? Yeah, all my solo stuff except for two. So I put out seven EPs and this is my first album. So all except two of those things I recorded myself. And I record all to cassette on a Tascam 4-track. Um, and actually my label, Sunroom Records and Salon, we put everything out on cassette as well. Yeah, I, I, it said that you recorded to cassette and then you digitized it. Is that for any specific reason, like as far as stylistic choices or? Well, I had. So when I was in high school, somebody had given me a cassette recorder, a four track. And I did a lot of recording on that before I had an established group or anything. And when I started, when we did, when Rent and Tiger started, we were doing recording or digital recording. And then. What, the first EP that I put out um, as Field Medic that I recorded myself was this EP called Pegasus Thoughts, and that's the first one that I had done on cassette. And I'd always wanted to put out an album that I recorded all to cassette, but my band was not comfortable with just releasing something that was co- sort of like quote-unquote demo quality or whatever. So yeah, I, I just I just like the way that that sounds like. That's a place where I and I like because we do all the recording in my house as well. So a lot of the stuff on the new album and, and previous albums I record, you know, in the kitchen or in my room. And it's just more comfortable place for me to record than to go into a studio. Also, it's also because I don't have any money. So I can get a four track for like 40 bucks on Craigslist and I find all my cassettes at thrift stores. And so everything that I use to record is hell cheap. And that's part of the reason why i do it as well right on right on yeah you gotta right now i'm recording in my house too i don't have a fancy studio not to blow the illusion so you know i understand working with what little money you got to put on a show exactly so where where do you draw inspiration for your music um girls and uh anxiety and i guess happiness too you know I find most of my music comes from sort of a spooky place. When I start to feel really spooked out, I'll start writing. And I get a lot of inspiration from reading books and reading poetry and being spooked out by day-to-day events. Um, yeah, just I guess the world and girls and fear and being spooked. Okay. All right. Um, that's kind of an interesting uh, combination there. Girls fear the world and spooked. I guess they can all spook you at the same time, too. Oh, yeah. It's a straight up quad, quadruple spook. <laughs> yes, a quadruple spook right there. Is there a track like you would release as a single off of this uh, Light is Gone CD? So I put out one of the tracks that has a beat on it. It's called Exploding Eyes. Uh, that was a song about how I kind of robbed a bank. Or actually, I robbed this dentist in Los Angeles. I cashed this stolen check for him 
by some guys that asked me to cash a check for them. I was in a weird mood when I did it. No, I didn't do it on purpose, but I basically... How old were like, you when this happened? Dude, this happened like last year. Last year, okay. Yeah, I was walking up the street and these guys came up to me and they're like, basically, just long story short, they asked me, somehow they got my attention and convinced me that they were chill. And he told me that his sister had been in a car accident and said that she needed to get this payment for her insurance, but if she reported it, she was going to get her license suspended because she already had a point on her license or something. So then, and this this guy was claiming that his bank account was overdrafted. So then I was like, okay, I guess I'll cash this check for you. And then when the, when his bro showed up to give me the check, it was for like forty seven hundred dollars. And but but I like I have a clean history at the bank. So then I cashed it and then I gave them the money. I immediately knew that I had done something hella sketch. And so then I went home and I was hella spooked. And then there was just like a whole fiasco. It turned out it all turned out okay in the end. But that song Exploding Eyes is kind of about making a mistake. That seems really stupid, but at the time you were caught, you were just in motion, so you couldn't really stop yourself. And uh, so that song I put out as a single, that one has a music video. I actually just finished another music video for a track on the album called Glitter that I'm uploading right now. And I have a couple, okay. I'm going to put out this song. I have, I'm going to, yeah, I think it's hard to say though, because a lot of the tracks are so different. Like they're all, they're all part of the same family, but they all have different vibes glitters the one about uh doing coke with strippers and fucking movie stars correct yeah i remember that track as i was listening to it i was like kind of like the lyrics on this one (laughs) yeah thanks dude (laughs) is that from real life experience on that one or well that track so like this album is sort of based around like i wouldn't say like an intense breakup because not like anything intense happened but it was like, like me and somebody that i love split apart and i was alone after i had just finally had this experience of really sharing my whole life with somebody and so the lyrics in that chorus are sort of like it's because the verses are all kind of dark about you know going to bury a rose and all this sort of stuff but the chorus is like a fantasy like Oh, but it's okay. I don't need you anymore because I, you know, I fuck movie stars. Like, it's all good. I'm doing drugs because, like, you know, I mean, you know the difference between being a bachelor gotcha. and not being a bachelor is, is like, when you're a bachelor, like, you'll be hella naughty. I mean, I've been hella naughty for, like, over a year now. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not quite to the point of chilling with strippers yet, but that is plan <laughs> when the time comes. It's good to have I a plan, like man. To. Yeah, exactly. I would hope to be like in the in the VIP room. Well, actually, like the thing is, I think I want to take the strippers out of the strip club. I want to give them a better life. I want oh, them to the just knight come in shining armor. The knight yeah, in shining I, armor syndrome. I want to save them and and but I want them to chill. Like I need, I want to chill with multiple of them at a time. But the thing is, I don't even think we'd be. <laughs> we don't even. We wouldn't even be sleeping together. You know what I mean? Like they'd just be my friend. Oh, because be they would understand yeah they would understand the hustle and we could confide in each other they do understand hustle i will definitely yeah. tell you that strippers are the queens of hustle you know like king queens of hustle whatever yeah um, i can only imagine they're like hustle scientists yeah i mean that's that must be such a hard job dude and a spooky job at that 
<laughs> a spooky job. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you got some creepers out there. Oh, God. So, strippers hanging out with them, doing blow. So, do you know any movie stars to make this part of your fantasy come true? I mean, I'm working on it, dude. Like, uh, I don't know any. I mean, I don't currently know any strippers. I don't know any movie stars, but hopefully that'll change soon. <coughs> I also, you know, you and I know each other from working in the financial district. Uh, yes. Dude, I see so many executive ladies that I want to chill with, dude. It makes me upset on a daily basis because you'd think that working in a coffee shop for like as long as I have, I've been there for like three and a half years. Some of these ladies would, would like some like hot, like older lady would take a liking to me. Find yourself a sugar mama. But none of them have, dude. I'm looking, no yeah, sugar that's mamas? what I'm looking for. None, Do you let dude. them it's know a, you play music? Sort of, like when they ask, but I also don't really, I don't like to like blow up the spot, you know? I guess I'm kind of shy, like in a weird, I'm not actually shy, but I don't, I have a hard time making small talk with people. Understandable, understandable. Just it's, when they come in, you see, you see a sugar mama that you want, just be like, hi, I'm a musician. What would you like for your coffee? Want to adopt me? I'd be like, look, I want to come live in your condo and like, <laughs> I'll definitely just clean it while you're gone. And then we can hang out and like go for drives and talk about stuff. I don't care if you're divorced. It's cool. Like I like, I like mature ladies. I don't yes, know. I just uh, I've been thinking about that a lot. I can't help it, dude. You know they're super hot. All these chicks. Man. You got you got to love the milfs. Dude, I love the, the executive milfs. Executive milf. Yes, dude, that's it. That's like this piece of me that's missing that I'm looking for for all the milfs out there. <laughs> so, uh throw throw out an email address or like a Twitter or something for all the milfs to get a hold of you after they hear this. They're like for MILFs wanting to adopt a young musician. Just look up Field Medic on... Well, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't mix this with my professional uh, <laughs> my professional business as a songwriter. Just come down to Pete's BBM at 22 Battery Street and look for the weird guy. And that's me. <laughs> you don't want to mix it with your music, like sex, drugs, rock and roll. But you like, uh, well, I don't want to mix it with my music, but come down to Pete's. I'll make you some coffees. Exactly. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I just like, uh, dude, I can't handle it. I was like really, really ruminating on the thought of hot executive ladies all day today. And it was just, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's a piece of the songwriting process, pining for sexy older women. Yes, yes. It creates a void that you have to fill, so write a song about it, you know? Exactly, yeah. That's why songwriting is cathartic. Because you could just think about stuff and then sing about it. It's also good in, like, if you're feeling violent to talk about something fucked up um, in a song instead of actually doing something fucked up in real life. Exactly. I, I feel the same way. Like, I don't necessarily write songs about it, but I'll listen to some songs that talk about doing some crazy shit, like uh, some Slipknot or some heavy metal that... A lot of people say, oh, my God, that makes the kids crazy these days. But in reality, it just calms their nerves a little bit, gives them an outlet. So, you know, you could be like listening to a song about people equal shit or something like that and, you know, make yourself feel better. So you don't go out and kick the bum on the street. 
Yeah, dude, for sure. I think about that a lot, especially like with Slipknot too, because I love that band. When I was young, I used to listen to Iowa all the time, and still, like, I even was just watching a live stream of one of their concerts, like a couple weeks ago, and and I feel like when you see them play live, it's like you're in hell. And he's like, he's like, everybody, put your middle fingers up, like, fuck you, you know, like, fuck everything. I'm gonna like slit your throat and fuck the wound. And like on surface, that sounds hella spooky. <laughs> But, like, the fact that you're saying it in a song instead of actually doing it, and also, like, I feel like being in that concert environment where people are, like, moshing and shit, I feel like there, there's, like, a, a familial vibe there where you're, you're getting it, out those feelings in a positive way. It is. It is. It's very – it's awesome. I've actually – I'm actually from Iowa, too. I've inter- – when I was working at the radio station, I got a chance to interview Corey Taylor. No way, uh, The lead singer from Slipknot. Yeah, and I actually got to ask him one of the questions that I've been, like, I heard a rumor about and wanted to know the answer to. It was about uh-huh. a song off the the first CD that they put out called Eyeless. And uh, basically what that song is about is the first time they went to New York. Uh, there's Well, there's a line in the song where it's like, you can't see California without Marlon Brando's eyes. And uh, first time they were in New York at Roadrunner Records, some uh, homeless guy came up to him, looked, at, looked Corey Taylor right in the eye and was like, you can't see California without Marlon Brando's eyes and just ran away. And it just like stuck in his head. And he, had, he so he's like, I had to write a song about it. Dude, that's so cool. So. Yeah, it's like I'd love to interview them again, uh, get them on the podcast here. But that Dude, might be you gotta a, a get them on the podcast. Off. Yeah, maybe It'll like be... one or two, but then they'll come around to it. They'll see it. Yes, yes, and you know they're. I, I'm not pretending I know Slipknot. So many people in Iowa are like, dude, I know Corey Taylor. Yeah, I know, I know all the guys from Slipknot. No, you don't. You may have met him once, but you don't know him. Dude, that guy sorry, has the craziest the vocal range. Yeah, no, he, for sure. He does. He he can sing like melodically, like in uh, Stone Sour, yeah. and even some even some of the newer Slipknot songs. Uh, which to me, for Slipknot, it it's weird hearing melodicness and not anger with Slipknot. You know, but for sure, uh, for sure. definitely Stone Sour. I can definitely see it. it kind of, they've kind of blurred the bands a little bit. Not talking shit about either of them, but mm-hmm. he has a hell of a range. Well, it's like, but I, I do think that I feel the same way with you about the melodic sort of singing in Slipknot. But when I was watching this live concert, they were, it was like a stream of a concert. They were playing a bunch of new songs too. But even though they've gotten a little bit less brutal, like they, they still remain, they still have that signature Slipknot sound where the riffs are just so fucking brutal. Their sound is so tight. When I, I saw them play in San Jose when I was like 12, and it was one of the sickest shows I've ever seen. Yeah, they do put on a hell of a show. I, I when you started telling that story, I thought you were uh, gonna say uh, you saw a YouTube video of them where they actually perform uh, "Living La Vida Loca" "Loco" by Ricky what? Martin. Yeah, it's some joke. I kept on expecting. Google it. It's on YouTube. Um, oh, it's that video where they like dub "Living La Vida Loca" over them performing live, right? No, they are. They are. Do they actually it. play it? They oh, actually shit, play gotta... it, and Corey Taylor actually sings it like Ricky Martin. And like, I kept on expecting them to meddle it out at some point, but it never yeah. happened. 
Like that's what I thought you were gonna go to on that story. I think I talked about that with one of my I other gotta check uh, that out. one of my other interviews. But check it out. It's it sounds just like you know you'd expect to hear it a pop band, but you see all these uh, guys in like uh, freaky costumes, Slipknot outfits, singing it. Dude, that's sick. I'm definitely gonna te- check that out. And you know, as I said, as I said in a previous interview, I think it's almost more metal that they didn't like try to metal it out Dude, and totally. just and just went and committed balls on to doing it as ricky martin uh, but it still would have been cool to hear a metal version of living la vida loca yeah it's probably out there somewhere but i think you're right it's way more brutal that they just stuck to the classic <laughs> living la vida loca yeah um definitely shows that they don't give a fuck yeah that's what life's all about not giving a fuck it is. That's what and I learned back, as I get older. Yes, uh, you know, it, it helps out a lot. It's easier not to worry about, oh, what does that uh, MILF at the coffee shop think about me? You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's like, I, I don't care. I'm just going to be myself. If they don't like it, fuck them. Yeah, exactly. You have to just approach situations like yourself and be the best version of yourself as you can. And if people don't feel you, then it doesn't matter because they're not chill. Yeah, Going back to Slipknot on this, uh, you were mentioning yeah. that, yes, they have gotten a little bit softer and stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, think about it from a point of view of the musician. You're young when you start out. You're angry at the world, pissed at everything. You have nothing, nothing but the anger. Mm-hmm. So you put that out there. But then you start making money, start getting houses, multiple cars and stuff. You lose things to be pissed off about. Dude, Totally. It's more real, I guess, if they do kind of mellow out a little bit, unless they actually are that pissed at the world. Like, a band that never really mellowed out was Pantera. Yeah. Like, I, I think about that mentality a lot, because when I was younger, I was in a bunch of screamo, post-hardcore bands. And then when I see bands like Bring Me the Horizon or, like, Architects or, you know, like, bands or Slipknot, too, that are still, like, very relevant. They're still popular enough to go on headlining tours and sell hell albums. But they're still so they're still so brutal. I'm just thinking, like, Jesus Christ, it'd be so strenuous to keep up that energy level being in a band like that for, you know, four or five years, like. Because I think it's like you're saying, when you grow up, you sort of, or, you know, grow up, especially if you grow up and you become successful and you start being able to make a living playing music and all this kind of stuff, it's like you're not necessarily pissed off enough to, like, you want people to mosh in a circle pit or something, like, but but the, the fan base expects you to have that energy level because that's why they like you in the first place. So I'm kind of glad that I got out of the post-hardcore scene and started doing more folk music because that seems a little bit more sustainable but i also wished i only reason i quit playing heavy music is because i used to be able to scream but then when my voice changed i lost my scream i couldn't scream anymore really yeah it's really depressing there is a uh certain technique for screaming Mm -hmm. i I don't know if you've ever heard of uh there's a dvd out called the zen of screaming or the yeah, was, the zen, yeah, zen of screaming. I, I got and, that actually, and and I still just like couldn't figure it out. Yeah, over the pencil, under the pencil type thing. They like, have some serious uh, talent on that DVD as well, such as like Randy Blythe from Lamb of God and yeah, stuff like so that. So chill. Yeah, and like uh, the fool from Every Time I Die, Keith Keith Buckley is that his name? 
Uh, that I am not sure of their names in that band, but that may be it. Yes. Yeah. I love did that. Did you like band. my Did you like my way around that answer? Yeah, I, I, I don't yeah. know if that's his name or not. But You're like, I'm not sure what the, their names are, but I think the I, band is chill. I, I took the political answer to that. I was like a politician. Yeah. Yes, I think uh, answered the question without answering it. And I was yeah. Maybe I should run for president. I don't know. Dude, I would vote for you or mayor in San Francisco right now. That's pretty relevant. You might still be able to get the ballot in. There you go. Maybe I have more of a chance of that than. Uh, than president after all donald trump is running oh i dude if he wins we're fucked but i feel like people are so hyped <laughs> on him because he's a celebrity that he might but i doubt it i don't know when i was reading your website uh kevin i yeah. saw that uh you have your own record label is that correct yeah i run a cassette record label out of my house in the excelsior called sunroom records and salon the reason why it's also a salon is because when I first started it uh, about a year and a half ago, I was so I cut my own hair, my roommate's hair. And so at the time, I was just like really into being like a, a hair cutter or something. And I almost went to cosmetology school when I graduated high school. But that's why I attacked the salon on the end. But, you know, salon also can mean like a gathering of, of art or something because, you know, like there'd be like Parisian salons where artists would showcase their work. So. It's a salon also in the sense that it's just, uh, you know, we have a, a little gallery in our house called the People's Gallery. And the record label is a little bit, it's a record label, but it's more of a community. It's a cult. We sort of, we're all just together. We're all just unified. It's just a way basically for all my friends and myself to to have a creative circle and like positive reinforcement from each other. To do cool stuff. Right on, right. So, are there other, do you have other friends and bands that are in this uh, record label cult salon? So, the members of my cult consist of myself and three of my roommates. So, Field Medic, which is my solo stuff, is on the label. And then uh, my roommate named Trace, who goes by Albion Moonlight, is on the label. My roommate Wayne, who goes by Windmills, is on the label. And my friend Derek, who actually also plays in a band called Owlpaws, his solo music, Derek Ted, is on the label. And then I have one friend in Los Angeles called Rest or Not, this guy named Nick, Nick, who actually was the inspiration behind my label because he has a cassette label called Kerchow Records. And then my friend Stephen Beboot, who you might have heard coughing here and there in this interview yes, I... is actually he's, yeah he's actually here right now uh and we're gonna be making some tapes to put out his ep on the label too so there's officially six people on the label um but it's like it's close-knit i i don't really like i'm not i'm not like a businessman so i don't really i wouldn't i don't really work with anybody unless they're actually just like my bread and i really like their music and um a lot of us on the label have bands or have had bands, but I noticed when I started making my solo stuff, and then when I looked around my house, I realized that all my roommates were doing the same thing. They had a band or something that was a little bit more produced and had some big idea behind it, but then they were all writing solo tracks as well that they would just kind of record and then maybe forget about. So I kind of wanted to make a place where we all could just share those recordings of more intimate songs and yeah, that's basically the story of the label. Okay, and was that one friend in L.A., the person who had you cash that check? 
No, he didn't have me cash the check. <laughs> the people that had me cash the check were literally strangers on the street. And I just, for some reason, was super gullible at the time. I can't really explain it because, like, when I tell the story, it sounds really dumb. But for some reason, I just, I, the thing is, like, that event and a couple things prior to that were, like, leading up towards my, like, losing faith in humanity phase where I realized that you just can't really trust everybody until they give you a reason to trust them. And I don't know, it was eye-opening and um, everything is okay, like, so I just look at it as a lesson. Okay, all right, yeah, definitely, you gotta, gotta learn from that, and you got away with it, and hopefully, hopefully escaped all um, chances of prosecution yeah. on it. Well, what happened was I, I felt super shady right after it happened, so I went straight back to the bank, and I went up to go talk to somebody, and I told, explained to them what had just happened, and they were like, dude, that's hella sus. Like, let's pull up the check. So then what they did is they photocopied the check for me, which was allegedly from somebody's lawyer or something. But then when I looked at it, the check was signed DDS. So it was actually a yeah. dentist. So then I called. So then I was hella paranoid and spooked out for like three days. And then finally I called the number on the check, got in touch with the guy and told him the story just straight up. I was like, dude, this happened. I, I honestly like... I don't know. I know it sounds hella stupid, but you got to believe me. And so then I think because I got in touch with him, he realized that I wasn't being sketch because I gave yeah. him all the money. Like it was just like literally one of the spookiest things ever. But, you know, I, I feel like I handled it the best way that I could. And um, it was weird. But it's weird because because of that scenario, I ended up just in my house I was too, because the bank was right down the street from my house. So I was too spooked out to leave my house, really, except for to like walk around the corner to buy beer or something. So I was just in my house for like two or three months. I mean, obviously I would go to work, but I was just chilling in the house recording. And that's when I did all the recording of this album. So okay. it's weird how, how that kind of worked out just by being, because my roommate who lives downstairs was on tour for like two weeks. So. I would just go downstairs and like drink beer and smoke weed and get hella spooked out and record. And that was kind of like, so it was like the mix of the breakup and then that thing happening all sort of led to this album. And so I'm, I guess I'm thankful for that in that way because now I have an album. Yeah. Yeah. And once again, there's that spookedness uh, inspiring you to write. Dude, totally. I was so spooked because I had all these songs you know, other than the songs that are directly related to the event, I had all these songs and I was thinking to myself, well, I'm probably going to go to jail or someone's going to drive by, shoot me or something, or I'm going to owe these people all this money. So I should record all this music right now before it's too late. So there was like a little bit of that spook factor that actually gave me drive to, I mean, I, I honestly like, I'm kind of an obsessive worker anyways, but the spookiness really, really kicked me into gear. It's amazing how much fear can be a motivating factor. Uh, <laughs> I guess I've been wondering, uh, where did the name for your solo project, Field Medic, come from? Okay, this is an interesting story. Actually, it's not that interesting, but so, like I said, my old, old band was called Westwood and Willow. And when we were trying to think of a new band name for what became Renton Tiger, Field Medic was just something I had thought of. Uh, I'm not sure, sh- because I'm kind of into the Civil War. I used to be 
very interested in the Civil War. Like any project I ever did in school where I could choose a subject was about the Civil War. So it's about like the ghosts of the Civil War, or talking about like Abraham Lincoln and stuff. So I think that I think that that's where it came from in my mind. And so I had said I'd suggested Field Medic to be the name for Rinse and Tiger, but the guys thought that it was too singular or something. So they were should we should it be Field Medics or like is it too spooky? I don't know. So then we ended up going with <laughs> Rinse and Tiger, but then I just kind of just held on to Field Medic, and I'm glad I got to then take it and and turn it into this project. And also because I think because you know talking about feeling spooked out, music is medicinal to me to play music makes me feel a lot better to distill those feelings and you know talk about stuff that I don't necessarily feel comfortable talking about on a one-on-one basis with somebody so I would hope that and I, I mean and everybody knows that you know music has that therapeutic quality so I like to think like for me it's like I'm my own field medic in that sense like I, I heal my own wounds by writing songs about them Okay. When you were talking about the name being uh, plural or whatever, uh, field medic versus medics, uh, have you ever seen the movie Airheads? Yeah, I love that movie. Uh, The Lone Rangers? It just reminded me of that. Uh, How can you... Oh, yeah. (laughs) Lone Rangers can't be plural. (laughs) That's hella funny. I I had forgot about that, like, in relation to it, but that's hilarious. That movie is... I've seen that movie, like, ten times. It's yeah, just one yeah, of those actually. movies you can watch over and over again. I love when they have the guns that are like water guns, but they have hot sauce in them, and he's like spraying it on the burrito. Yes. I guess they can't get armed robbery charges for that since it's just hot sauce. But Yeah. What Are, are there any other great uh, movies that you're into, such as like Spinal Tap or something like that? I Okay. I think my favorite movie of all time is Pulp Fiction. Um, yeah. I, can, I can watch that movie over and over again i also love scarface i love mob movies more than anything else because i i just love bad boys that just kill their enemies without thinking about it and i think that's like another part of projection you know it's like i I like i like to pretend that i'm like gonna just go like stab somebody in the gut but i probably won't but i I love to watch that and just get pumped on somebody being super sketch like that. So living vicariously through art. Yeah. And I love that. That's the beautiful thing about art. So I guess I'll say it's just hard to say because I actually don't really watch that much. I feel like I find myself only watching movies or TV shows when I'm super depressed and I have like lost my will to do anything. So but I do love Pulp Fiction. Yeah, Pulp Fiction is a classic movie. One of them, also one of the most quotable movies. You know, there's so many good quotes in that movie. Dude, totally. The acting and the dialogue is so sick. And and the cast: Bruce Willis, Ving Rhames, yeah, Samuel L. Jackson, John Travolta, Uma Thurman, you know, Uma Thurman, and the list goes on. But you can't have a much more star-packed movie than that and not have it get all like like people competing against each other for screen time. It was like perfect. Well, I love how all the scenarios are so sort of interplayed. Like they keep cutting between all these alternative lives, but they're all playing together in a weird way too. And by the end of it, everything is sort of all the worlds have touched and and it's so fucking long, too. That's what I love about it. It is. It is definitely a long movie. And uh, Quentin Tarantino... 
he he's awesome at dialogue in his movies dude yeah he's a great writer uh both that and like basically the precursor to pulp fiction is uh Reservoir Dogs, basically the movie that kind of he built off of from that. Not the same plot, but same uh, story structure. Yeah, I love that movie, too. I didn't know that they were like, has he mentioned them being similar or is that just like, I guess it's kind of it's kind of an observation. Yeah, Uh, but uh, Tarantino was uh, that was early Tarantino there for Reservoir Dogs. Mm -hmm. And. The story, the storylines don't really intertwine at all, but like the story structure, the multiple yeah. uh, stories going on at the same at the same time, jumping around and them intertwining within everything. So it's kind of similar in their nonlinear storytelling. Yeah, for sure. All right, Kevin, we are getting close. Anything else you want to touch on that we haven't touched on? That's kind of what I'm. I think it's just like anything. Actually, the point I want to come to is anything is better than the internet because the internet is this big illusion that makes you feel like shit and you got to live in your own world and forget about all this flashy stuff you're seeing and just realize that whoever you are you have the power and you just got to overcome bad feelings and just learn to love yourself and don't let don't never give up you got to follow your dreams to the pits of fucking hell Hell yeah. Well said. Mm -hmm. Well said. (laughs) Okay. In closing, I got one more question. Uh, Since the show is called Uncontained, I'm asking my guests, like, how do you live uncontained? I'd say I live my life uncontained in the sense that I've always tried to value what I felt was the right thing to do and never really let anybody deter me from the path that I want to be on. It's similar to that comment about following your dreams to the pits of fucking hell where I I think that I live I try to live my life uncontained in the sense that I do what I feel is right and try to do what I feel will help people that I feel are doing what is right and I, I'm not going to buy into something that I don't want to get trapped in a lifestyle like uh, I find a lot of people that are my age got trapped in going to a university and now they're graduated and they're somehow living back at home and don't know what's going on or you know some people <laughs> they you know they'll graduate is, it's a classic move right it's a very common story nowadays too like getting a college degree doesn't make you guaranteed to have a job yeah it doesn't guarantee you a job and it doesn't guarantee you that you're going to know what to do and like it's it's just not it doesn't really I don't I think that it college is a trap unless you know what you're going there for. But Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. figure it out and then go to college. Don't use it necessarily to explore everything. Exactly. But I'm not saying don't go to college to all you listening at home if that's so, your dream. To all it. you young kids, yeah. whatever you do, drop out of high school now and don't go to college. To all you young kids, you don't need a damn education. Yeah, that, was, that was a grandpa and I get like off that. my yard that was really good <laughs> well, well thank you thank you all right man uh kevin kevin patrick right here on uncontained you want to tell people how you can uh how they can get a hold of you whether it's the the milfs at the coffee shop or people wanting to listen to some uh some chill music dude for sure um you can find all my albums at fieldmedic.bandcamp.com. 
You could also find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash fieldmedicmusic. And my Twitter and my Instagram are underscore fieldmedic. And you can check out my record label and all of my Brez music at Sunroom Records with a Z and Salon bandcamp.com all right great man thanks for joining me and uh keep putting out some music all right Dude, go get spooked thanks brad i'm already feeling spooked appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot to kevin patrick for coming on the show today and thank you for listening please continue to go to itunes or your favorite uh podcast player and rate review subscribe and share um, share with your friends, share with people you don't even know, and uh, also check out uh, Kevin's music. Yes, uh, Field Medic. You can get Neon Flowers, a track that you heard at the beginning of the show there, along with uh, much more of his music from Field Medic. So check that out. I will have that in the show notes as well, so you can easily find it. And thank you once again for listening, and as always, live uncontained.